Well, good Wednesday afternoon. Uh, It's 5 o'clock on Wednesday, and we're here to study God's Word together. I'm glad you're joining me either live or uh, by watching me a little bit later. But uh, my prayer is that uh, as we study God's Word together, this will be a good pick-me-up midweek uh, until we uh, can gather back together again for worship on Sunday. Uh, We need God's Word every day, but I'm glad I can do these Bible studies throughout the week that helps uh, hopefully encourage us in our walk uh, with Jesus Christ as we build on that relationship with him. So welcome, and I'm excited about uh, starting a new series. We've been, I finished up last week talking about some of the women of the Bible. Uh, Definitely didn't cover every woman in the Bible. That would have taken forever. Uh, But we're making a shift today, and uh, I'm changing, and we're going to study for the next few weeks uh, the Ten Commandments and uh, looking at those together. And we're just going to kind of get an overview today, uh, a good foundation for what the Ten Commandments are, and then we'll actually start dealing with uh, each of the commandments uh, beginning next week. So as we start off today, let's start with a word of prayer, just asking for God's guidance and blessing on all that we say and all that we do here this afternoon. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now and thank you for this day you've given to us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word together. Uh, We study your word so that we can know you. Uh, We thank you that you've given us uh, what we have so that we can understand how to live for you and serve you and uh, relate to you. So thank you for that. And help us as we begin this study on looking at the commandments that you've given to us uh, to understand better uh, the joy that we can have in walking with you as we faithfully follow you. So, Lord, we thank you for these things, and we ask for your presence and your guidance in this study here today. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, as we uh, kick off this study together about the Ten Commandments, uh, just a quick question for for you to think about a little bit. Uh, I actually shared this with uh, my Wednesday morning uh, group that I meet with, uh, but I asked them this question. I said, uh, what are some boundaries that uh, we face each and every day? Uh, And, of course, a couple questions came up. Well, what kind of boundaries? Well, I'm just thinking initially about uh, the fact that we have boundaries all around us. Somebody mentioned about the fact that uh, with this COVID-19, there are some boundaries that have been set for us. In fact, if you hadn't heard yet, uh, Governor Kay Ivey came on uh, and told us here in the state of Alabama uh, that we've got at least five more weeks of uh, wearing masks. Things are moving in a good direction, a better direction. Uh, But she's extended uh, the mask order uh, for at least another five weeks, and then we'll reevaluate there. So uh, that's a boundary that we have. Uh, When you go into a a restaurant or when you go into a store, uh, almost all of them are requiring that you wear a mask before you go in there. And if you're not, then uh, most say mask required uh, in order to enter here. Uh, That's a boundary. The social distancing that we're having to do, those are boundaries that are set up. If you can't be at least six feet away from somebody um, that's not in your own family, then you're supposed to wear a a mask and be very careful about how close you get to other people. Uh, that's a boundary that we face. Uh, but even before all this COVID stuff, there are boundaries all around us. Uh, think about the fact when you get in your car and when you're driving down the street, uh, there's all kinds of boundaries uh, that are set out there for us. Uh, there's lines on the road telling you which side of the road to you can drive on and if you can pass or not pass and how many lanes there are. Uh, there are stop signs uh, and traffic lights that tell you when you can go or when you need to stop, uh, when you can proceed, when you can't. Uh, there's all kinds of boundaries that we have, speed 
limits of how fast you're supposed to drive in certain areas. So those are boundaries uh, that we face uh, each and every day. It was mentioned that uh, there was a, a psychologist that came out with a book talking about relationship boundaries and the different kinds of relationships uh, that we have and uh, certain boundaries that we need to set up, differences between families and um, employers and friends uh, and even in families, boundaries that uh, people should practice and, and know in those relationships to, to make them a, a healthy, happy relationship. Well, boundaries are all around us. Uh, we, we deal with them every day, and, and you can think of many boundaries that you have. Why do we have those boundaries? Uh, we need to ask ourselves that. Why are they there? And there's a lot of people that want to push those boundaries. There's people that uh, don't agree with some of those boundaries, and so uh, they get frustrated at those boundaries. But those boundaries are put there uh, in place by others, sometimes for ourselves. We may set boundaries for ourselves, but oftentimes, uh, like on the roads, uh, they're set by somebody else. They're there designed to keep us safe so that we can go where we want to go in a safe manner, so that others know where they need to be, so we know where we need to be in order to uh, not uh, have accidents and to uh, arrive where we need to in an orderly fashion. So boundaries, in, whether it's on, in traffic laws or whether it's in relationships or whether it's even in health concerns, uh, those boundaries are there in order to help us to be healthy, uh, to be happy, and to be fulfilled. So as we begin this study on these Ten Commandments, uh, we're looking at boundaries, uh, boundaries that God has set. Uh, even when you hear that word commandment, uh, does that in you, does that uh, uh, bring inside of you positive feelings or maybe more negative feelings? When you think about a commandment that somebody's given you, when somebody has given you an order, this is what you are to do, uh, is that something for you as a positive or a negative? Uh, I think for most, initially, it's probably a, uh, we may cringe a little bit, you know, who are you to tell me that, or, or why do I have to do that, or why can't I do that? Uh, sometimes we want to push those boundaries and, and work against those boundaries. So when you think about commandments, those commandments really are the boundaries that God has set for us. I titled this passage, in fact, I preached a sermon series about 12 years ago now on these Ten Commandments, and that's the basis for uh, the, this study that we're doing here together, and I entitled that uh, sermon series, Beautiful Boundaries. Uh, and that's something that I want us to see out of God's commandments. Uh, we tend to push back against boundaries. We tend to, a lot of people will try to uh, see how close they can get to that boundary, uh, sometimes how far over that boundary they can go, uh, but, but we tend to do that as human beings. We, we push those things. But God has given us commandments because He loves us and cares for us. Uh, in fact, in John's gospel, John chapter 10, uh, verse 10, Christ was talking to his disciples. He was talking about the fact that he was the gate, he was the way uh, to salvation. And he says this to his disciples and those that were listening to him that day. He said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, that you may have abundant life, to, to varying translations translate a little bit differently, uh, but life overflowing or um, an overjoyed life. So the contrast is between what Satan does. Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He, he, tends, he wants to take from you, whereas God says, I want to give to you. Uh, I want you to have a full life and a complete life. So there's two opposing objectives here. Uh, one by Satan is to pull you down and take things away, uh, exactly what he did there in the garden with, with Eve. 
Uh, he made it look good, but he was ultimately destroying her and Adam uh, in eating that fruit. He said, did God really say, causing doubts to come into their relationship uh, with God and after all that God had done for them and was doing for them at that point? Can you really trust God? Can you really believe God? Uh, and then when the woman saw that the fruit was was there, that it was look good and it would taste good, uh, that she took the fruit and ate some, gave it to her husband. And in that caused that separation, destroyed that relationship they had with the Heavenly Father, with the Creator. Uh, stole that, destroyed that, took it all away. That That's Satan's objective and all he does. But God says, I've come that you may have life, have a full and abundant life. Uh, and so uh, when we look at these commandments, uh, it's helpful to look at them in the, the, the perspective of the fact that God loves us and cares for us. Uh, and these commandments are given to us so that we can have a, a right relationship with Him. Uh, a verse, and I'll refer to our primarily our text today, if you um, have your Bibles there, is Psalm 119. Uh, we're also going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20 over the next several weeks, uh, but today primarily Psalm 119. Uh, one of the verses out of Psalm 119 that I think is probably really the, the theme verse for maybe all of that uh, long, long chapter is verse 18. And in verse 18, the psalmist writes, he says, Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things out of your law or the beautiful things out of your law. Uh, the psalmist is saying, God, I want to see the beauty in what you have given me here. And, and all of Psalm 119 is just really a testimony to the 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 psalmist desiring to follow God's Word, to follow His commands, to, to recognize the goodness uh, and the benefits of God's commands. And so he prays there in verse 18. He says, open my eyes because I want to see the beauty in these things, because there is a truth there that oftentimes uh, when we see these commands, we, we tend to balk a little bit, and we tend to say, why? and Or, or why not? Why can't I do that? Uh, and so uh, the psalmist says, help me to see the goodness in what you're commanding me either to do or not to do uh, in these commandments. So that's where we need to start. And then uh, as we understand even these Ten Commandments, we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of these Ten Commandments? Uh, are these commandments given to us so that we can be saved? Or are they given to us for another reason? Well, let's even look just at our text here. Uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, that's the beginning part of the Ten Commandments, this is what we're told. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he goes from there to start into, here's the Ten Commandments that I'm going to give to you. It's important to recognize when he gave us, or when he gave those commandments to the Israelites. He gave them to them after he had brought them out of the land of slavery, out of the land of Egypt, where they'd been in bondage for over 400 years. Uh, they'd been there in Egypt. Not all those years were years of bondage, but the vast majority were years of bondage and slavery, and they were crying out to God for redemption, for their salvation from the plight that they were in. And so God sends Moses, and Moses pulls them out of the land, uh, and he brings them across the Red Sea, and now he's about to give them these commandments of what it looks like to follow God faithfully. It's key here to understand that those commandments were given after their redemption. It wasn't that God sent Moses into, the, into Egypt, and he said, all right, here's the commands. I want you to tell these people these commands, and when they start following these commands, then I'll pull them out. Then I will save them. 
No, it was after he had redeemed them that he says, this is now how you should follow me and be faithful to me. Uh, That's important for us to understand because so often uh, people are seeking to try to be good enough to come to Christ, and they're thinking they can follow a set of rules. Uh, How many times have you heard people say, well, I'll accept Christ after I fix this in my life, and whatever the this is, you fill in that blank. I'll stop doing this, or I'll start doing this, and then I'll come to Christ. Well, that's backwards. Uh, If we can do it ourselves, then we don't need Christ. We don't need God's salvation. If we can fix ourselves, and if we have to be perfect and good before we come to Christ, then we don't need Christ. But the reality is, is that we're not perfect, we're not good, we're all sinful, and so we need His salvation. And then once we have His salvation, then we'll understand better why we need to follow His commands and, and, and what those commands do. So these commands are not given to us so that we can be saved. These commands are given to us so we can know how we can walk in the joy of that salvation, how we can, as I've titled this passage or this sermon series, Beautiful Boundaries, how we can stay out of the ditches on either side of the road, how we can walk that path, that good path that God wants us to walk. If we follow these commands, He helps us to understand what it is to be obedient to Him and have a full abundant life that He desires to give us. So these commands are not for salvation, but these commands are what we do when we are saved because we desire to please Him and honor Him in all that we say and all that we do. Uh, So I go now to Psalm 119 in the opening verses, the first eight verses of um, that psalm, and it helps us to understand that God's law is really a law of liberty, of freeing us, not restricting us. Uh, So often we look at those commands and we say, well, there's a bunch of do-nots. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, we, we view that as a restriction, but ultimately what God is saying, I'm not restricting you, I'm showing you how to be free, how to live a full life. So let's look at our text uh, this today. It's going to be Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Uh, open your Bibles there and, and keep them open because we're going to kind of walk through these verses together real quickly for the next few moments. The psalmist says here, verse 1, Blessed are those are I'm sorry, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Uh, Now, three truths that I believe we can pull out of this passage here uh, about uh, what it looks like to obey God's law and and, and the joy that comes with that. First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3 the blessing of obedience, uh, the blessing of following God faithfully and doing what He has called us to do. Uh, I asked for a raise of hands uh, in Bible study earlier, and if I could see your hands out there right now, I'd ask you to do the same thing, but how many of you all are sinless? How many of you all have never committed any sin? Raise your hand. Well, I'm going to put my hand down because I'm definitely not in that category, and if you're honest, there's no hands that are raised at this point. But but wouldn't it be great to lead a a sinless life, to, to be able to live a life that was free of any kind of sin? That'd be great. 
but only one person did it, and that was Jesus Christ. He's the only one that lived that perfect life, uh, perfect sinless life. Uh, we can't do it. Uh, it's impossible for us to live a sin-free life. Scripture tells us that, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. But God understands that and knows that. Now, that's not an excuse. Uh, we know we're going to be sinful, but go back and you can read on your own Romans chapter 6 and 7, and you can see that um, just because we fall into sin is not an excuse to, to sin or to sin more. Paul deals with that very bluntly and very clearly uh, in those two chapters in Rome and other places. And John also deals with it, not in his gospel, but in his letters. Uh, in 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 10, uh, he tells us that we're sinners. Uh, verse 9, that middle verse a lot of people have memorized and know, it says, um, if we confess our sins, God is faithful um, to um, forgive those sins in our lives, verse 9. But around that verse, around verse 9 is verse 8 that says that if we claim to be without sin, we're lying to ourselves. Uh, we're not really looking honestly at our own lives. Um, if we think we're right and perfect in everything we say and everything we do and we, we don't think we ever sin, uh, well, we're, we're, we ourselves are liars. And then it says, if we claim to be without sin, not only are we lying to ourselves, but we are calling God a liar because God's the one that says that all have sinned and fall short of His glory. There's nobody perfect. There's nobody righteous in and of themselves. Uh, and so you're either lying to yourself or you're lying to God. You're doing both if you claim you're without sin. But he says, I will forgive those sins. And then in chapter 2, what we have is chapter 2 here in this letter, Paul, um, um, John says this. He says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. The, the goal is to eradicate sin from our lives, to do our best to live a holy and righteous life before him. But then he goes on, but if anyone does sin, and really you can say, but since people do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we have a sin problem. We fall short. We can't keep all those commandments, but we have an advocate somebody who was perfect, somebody who lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserve, and then rose again. And he says, if you'll believe and trust in me, he advocates for us when we put our hope and trust in him. And so we need to recognize that these commandments are not given to us uh, in order to be saved, but they're a response to our salvation, just like they were for the Israelites. God redeemed them. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And now he says, this is what you need to do to have a full and happy life in, in me. And as you serve me and as you now have your freedom, here's what you need to do. He says the same thing to us. As we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we don't come to him all cleaned up and perfect and righteous. We come to him dirty and, and helpless and needy, and he saves us when we trust in him, when we put our hope in him. And then he says, this is now how you can live in that blessing. And that's what the, uh, the psalmist is saying there. He says, blessed is that individual, blessed is that man who keeps God's testimonies, um, whose way is, is blameless because he's walking in the way of the Lord, not because he's perfect, but because he is walking in obedience to God's commands. So there's, an, uh, there, there's a blessing of obedience. The second thing we see in Psalm 119 is the burden of disobedience, uh, the, the weight that comes on us when we don't walk as we ought to walk, because there's always consequences to our actions, 
no matter what we do. Uh, my younger brother uh, had somewhere stuck, I can't remember where it was, but it's probably at least 30 years or so ago when I first saw this phrase, and it stuck with me, and I've seen it multiple times other places as well. Uh, but the phrase is simply this, man is free to make his choices. You can choose to do what you want to do, but he is not free to choose his consequences. Yes, you have a right to break a law. You can do that. You can break a traffic law if you so desire. Um, you can. You can. Uh, I just the other day it was an accident. Uh, don't know that I didn't mean to do it, but I was driving down Lindsay Lane Road. I came to Huntsville Browns Ferry. I thought I'd stop, but I'm sure I probably was in a little bit of a hurry and I didn't make a full stop. And so I just slowed down. Uh, I looked both ways. There was no cars coming. Uh, I turned. Then all of a sudden I saw the blue lights of the state trooper over there. Uh, and he pulled me over and he said, sir, do you know what you did? And I said, well, no. He says, well, you rolled through that stop sign. Well, I broke the law. Uh, that was my choice. I did not come to a complete stop. I didn't stop and then look uh, and then turn, and he watched me do that. Obviously, I didn't look close enough because if I'd seen him over there, I probably would have stopped for a little bit longer. Uh, so I didn't look as closely as I should have. So he pulled me over. Well, I made the choice to do that. Well, he then informed me of uh, me breaking that law, breaking that, and so he chose my consequence. Now, he was gracious. I talked to him. He's a very nice officer, and um, he, he was gracious. He asked me who I was and where I was going, and he asked me even where I worked. I don't know why he asked that, but I told him I was pastor of a church, and um, and so he went back to his car. I should have ran my tag and read my license plate and found out that, you know, it was clean and, and good, and so he came back up, and he said, well, sir, I'm just going to give you a warning today. Well, I was grateful for that. Uh, because that's that's what I was hoping for is just a warning rather than a, a a citation. Well, I chose to not obey the law as closely as I should. I was free to do that, but I wasn't free to choose my consequences when I was stopped for it. He had that control. Now that's just a simple traffic uh, violation. The same is true for in our lives, though, in our spiritual lives, and in, in, in our walk with the Lord. Um, he. There, there, there's a consequences for our actions, and we don't choose the, the consequences. God is the one that ultimately chooses those consequences. And those consequences are always going to be what we see Satan wanting to do, steal, kill, and destroy. Our sin is always going to do that in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to lose our salvation, but we'll lose some of the joy and some of the power uh, and some of the uh, influence of our salvation at times that, that it can have. Not that we can't regain it over time, but we can, but there's consequences to our actions. So if we know there are consequences to going outside of God's laws, why do we choose to do them? Why do we sin? Why do we choose to disobey what God has told us to do? Well, because there's an essence of sin that, uh, I've said this over the years, uh, sin is fun. Now, the consequences of sin are not fun, uh, and, and, and it's only fun for a short period of time. And I use that word fun as a, a way of saying that there's something in sin, there's, there's, there's something that when we choose to sin, we think it's going to bring us some kind of pleasure. And it may bring us a, a slight momentary, temporary pleasure, uh, whatever it might be, but it's always very short-lived. So I'm not saying sin is good. That, that's not at all what I'm saying. But there's some kind of a pleasure. There's some kind of a, uh, a feeling that we have that this is what we ought to do or this is what we are going to do because it will bring me some kind of good feeling. Well, that's why we choose to sin, uh, because there's an allure to it. 
because there's something that we think we we must do uh, to get something out of out of this for ourselves. Uh, just like Eve saw the fruit on the tree, she knew God said no that she shouldn't eat it. Adam was right there; he knew that command as well. And yet Satan said, "Well, it looks good. It's going to taste good. It's going to make you like God Himself." And she bought into that because she said, well, I can basically be my own God. This this, this looks like it's something that'll be pleasurable, so I'm going to bite into this fruit, and I'm going to experience this sin. So there was a, a fun factor to it. There was a felt need factor to it. There was an allure there. And that's why we sin. We choose to go outside of God's commands because we think that it's going to bring us some kind of pleasure. It doesn't. There's always a consequence. There's always a burden that happens because of that sin in our lives. And the psalmist deals with it there. Um, He says, I want to be steadfast in keeping all of your statutes. And then he says in verse 6, then I shall not be put to shame. I don't have to experience the guilt and the shame for the sin that I have let myself, that I've chosen to go into and, and, and do. I don't want that shame. I want to follow your commandments, and I want to be obedient to you. And that's what we're ultimately called to do here. Uh, and then the third thing out of these verses, verses 7 and 8, uh, is the liberty of obedience. Again, those two verses just simply say this. He says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. My heart will be in the right place when I know what you've told me to do. I don't have to guess. I don't have to to wonder. I don't have to try uh, all kinds of things, wondering what's going to please God. All I have to do is go to His Word and say, God, what have you told me to do? What are your commands? And when I follow those commands, I know that I can be in a right relationship with you. I'll have an upright heart. Uh, Verse 8, he goes on to say, I will keep your statutes. And he says, do not utterly forsake me. I'm trusting in you, God, that when I do what you've told me to do, you're going to be there with me. And it takes that kind of faith, that kind of obedience to follow him. And there's a liberty in that. When we know that we're following him, it's not a guessing game. It's just following God's commands. And and that's what these Ten Commandments are there for. It gives us the freedom from guilt, from doing things we shouldn't do, things that will not ultimately bring us the the, the pleasure that we think it's going to bring us. Uh, And it also leads us to a heartfelt praise where we have a good and upright heart that we can just praise God thanking Him for the good that He has done and the good good person, uh, the, the good being that He is as He loves us and cares for us. That's at the heart of the Ten Commandments. That, that's the foundation upon which we'll work as we study these commandments. God wants you to experience His love. He wants you to have a relationship with you. God loves you enough to give you the direction you need. He doesn't make it a guessing game. He doesn't make it where you have to wonder uh, or or, or trial and error uh, in what it looks like to please Him. He says, here's what it takes. God loves you enough to say, here's the path that you need to follow, and here's the boundaries in order to stay on that path so you don't fall off into the ditch um, on either side of the road and get yourself into trouble. But you can walk the straight and narrow. You can walk that narrow path that God says is the path to salvation and hope and happiness and healing um, in this life, but more importantly, in the life hereafter, in heaven with Him, 
what it looks like to be obedient and, and experience the joy that He's given us here. So, so that's the foundation that we're going to build off of as we look at these Ten Commandments. Uh, I encourage you to join with me uh, and follow along. I'm looking forward to this study together uh, because these Ten Commandments truly are beautiful boundaries and how we can live our life, how we can faithfully serve Him, uh, and get the, the most out of this life that He's given to us. As Jesus Christ promised there to His disciples, He said, I have come to give you an abundant life, a full life, a complete life, and here's how you need to follow me. That's why we have, part of why we have God's Word is so we can know what it looks like to please God. So thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to this study together. Next week we'll pick up in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 2, and we'll start looking at the, the individual commandments that God has given to us. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now, and I thank you for your Word. Thank you for your love that you've given us, uh, your commands. Uh, so that we can walk faithfully and we can walk uh, joyfully with you. So I pray, Father, you'll help us to learn these commands and enjoy these commands and see the, the beauty in those. As the psalmist prayed, open our eyes that we might see the wonderful things in your law, the beauty of what you've given to us, uh, not only in these Ten Commandments, but in all of your Word, uh, but specifically these Ten Commandments, which are the basis for all of your commandments uh, that you've given to us. So help us, Father, to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Thank you for allowing us to be able to do that. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray these things. Amen.